0: The Athletic.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast.
2: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show, brought to you by The Athletic UK. And we are in limbo land of the international break at the moment. But we've got plenty of good Fulham stuff to talk about, despite the lack of matches. And it is the regular Thursday club. I'm delighted to be back with Jack Collins. Hello, Jack. Hello, listeners. How are we doing? It's good to be back. Thanks. Yeah, um, it's uh, it was a nice week off. Thank you to George for covering me. Uh, some sterling this will catch on entries, particularly the Fabio entry. I was on a coach uh, to Lyon Airport with my headphones on, chuckling away like all you guys were to that one. Biza um, Rutzler, hello.
0: Hello, Sammy. How are you doing? I can see you've, you've very much got your skiing trip in early so far, making sure everyone knows that you've been skiing. Yeah, it's very, very, very Fulham, isn't it? Very Fulham. Uh, <laughs>
2: It was extremely Fulham. I even met a Fulham fan out in Latanya. Uh, it was very nice. Thank you. you. Um, it was it was absolutely gorgeous. My first time out of the country in over two years. It was just weird being on a plane. I just I found the whole experience bizarre. But uh, it's nice that we've returned to some slightly more normal times. Well, in today's podcast, um, at first, we're going to be speaking to Claire Parrish. And you will probably know Claire from what happened, the tragic incident with Paul Parrish back in January, where he passed away at the Blackpool game after a cardiac arrest in the Hammersmith end. And and Claire is going to be speaking to us a little bit about that, but she's also trying to raise awareness of how to use defibrillators and just generally what to do in the events of a cardiac arrest. So some very important stuff. Peter's got some updates on the Riverside stand. Uh, We haven't really addressed it on the podcast yet, but obviously some of the pricings come out and some of the changes that are happening to the, Riverside, why it's taking a season longer. So we're going to get into that. We've got some correspondence and then this will catch on at the end. Uh, But before we do any of that, I just want to say that tickets to Fulhamish Live are on sale now. It's going to be at the Half Moon Inn in Putney. Very exciting. It's the first live show that we've done in Two and a half years really before the pandemic you might remember we did one at the old Suffolk Punch for our 200th episode and we are back live in front of an audience we would absolutely love you to be there it is on Sunday the 10th of April as i said at the Half Moon Inn in Putney straight after the Coventry City game which of course could be a game could where be. Fulham go up could so be. it could be a promotion party uh Peter's gonna be there, Jack's gonna be there, load of the rest of the Fulhamish lineup are gonna be there, and we've got another special guest as well, Charlie Cooper, this country fame, you'll have probably seen him at Fulham matches. He's a pretty uh, big regular home in a way. He's also gonna be on the panel as well. If you want to get your tickets. They're at tickets.halfmoon.co.uk. All proceeds going to the DEC Ukraine humanitarian appeal. Jack, are you excited to be back on stage?
1: Very excited, Sammy. Um, new venue, obviously. The old Suffolk Punch no longer uh, a feasible place to be doing things, so that's sad. But after the Half Moon, uh, it means I have to venture south of the river, which is which is different. But Don Betts, I imagine, will be delighted by this uh, by this development in in going south of the river. so yeah i'm excited mate i'm excited to, to be back and, and chatting and chatting in front of people as well it'll, it'll be lots of fun
2: yeah a few beers after the match as well um peter did you ever think that you would uh, be on the same stage where the clash had their very first gig it's quite the uh it's quite the honour, isn't it? I'm I feel a bit, I feel a bit nervous playing the half moon. Pretty
1: sure the dude from the Clash, the Clash was a QPR fan, so uh, nice. we
0: will have to rule him out. Well, yeah. In short, no, Sammy, no, I did not. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are,
2: are you excited? The first, your first Fulhamish live show. I
0: think the last time I was on stage was for a pantomime called The Pied
2: Piper. So, and
0: I was very small, and I very barely remember it. And I, I don't know how well that went. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll find out, won't we?
2: I thought for a second you're about to reveal that you had like a, a secret life moonlighting in pantomimes at Christmas, which would have been an exceptional development. Oh for. no,
1: he doesn't. <laughs>
2: hey, very good. Tickets at tickets.halfmoon.co.uk. We'd love to see you there. And as I said, all profits going to an incredibly worthy cause as well. And uh, yeah, we'd love to have a few pints with you once the show is over as well. Right. We're going to take a quick break there and afterwards we're going to speak to Claire. Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast, Sammy here with Jack and Peter, and we are joined right now by the wonderful Claire Parrish. Claire, thanks for chatting to us on Fulhamish. Hey, yeah. We're not going to go into everything that happened on that day uh, against Blackpool. I think any Fulham fan knows the tragic instance that happened to your dad. But I do just want to start by asking, how are you? How are your family?
3: it's a, it's a funny question actually and i guess it depends on on each day whether you ask me how i am it, it can differ monday i had a a shocking day i was just very sad and and you know little girl missing her dad um today i am having a better day and that that's just how it goes you know you have good days and bad days but in the majority i think you know we we're doing okay. And I actually hate the word okay, (laughs) but it kind of feels like a, a, a good word for now because, you know, it is, it's about ups and downs and, and, you know, those moments where one minute you'll be, you know, just, I don't know, just doing something like washing up and, and looking out in, into the sunny garden. And then the next minute you'll just be crying and, and that's how, that's how it is. But, um you know everybody knows the the amount of support and love we've had from everyone and i think that's really helped to be honest i think it it's it's given me a big steer to try and you know just make every day count and try and do something positive every day and and look for the goods in all this
2: it was so difficult after that Blackpool game really to know what to think. You know, there were some people Mm. in the crowd that knew Paul. There were lots of people that obviously didn't know Paul, but I think all Fulham fans just had a terrible sadness and a great gasping hole. But the, the club and the fans really did, rally round and, and, and the club as well. Like the t- You must have been so touched by what happened after that Millwall game, the way that Marco Silva and the team um, came up to the Hammersmith end and you and your daughter afterwards. What, what was that
3: like? It still feels really surreal, to be honest with you. So Carmelo had said to me, um, the lovely Carmelo Mifsud, he'd actually said to me, Tom Kearney would like to um, pop over and give Felicity his shirt just as a way of, you know, sending his love to you. And Flissy being a little bit shy said, you know, she'd like me to come down with her. So what we had was all of a sudden at the end of the game, um, you know, we were just sort of waiting there casually beside Carmelo. And then all of a sudden the whole team were in front of us. And I was like, Oh, I don't know what's going on. And I said to Felicity, Oh, they're not here to see us. They're just here to clap the Hammersmith end. And then they'll be off, you know, you know, because uh, Felicity, like I say, she's quite shy and I didn't want her feeling completely overwhelmed. And then Tim Ream was just staring me straight in the eye and I was like, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden, bless them, obviously led by lovely Tim, just one by one, they all came over and and just hugged us. And honestly, I will tell you this, Tim Ream hugged me like I was his own sister You know, that hug was like giving me all the love and all the empathy that he could. And it was just a really, really raw and beautiful moment. And you could tell the players were heartbroken as well. You know, there there was genuine sorrow in their eyes. And it it was a really real, raw moment. And, you know, when, when the back of the Hamsmith End, bless them, they sing one of our own about my dad, it's... He is one of our own, you know, and I think it resonates with everyone what happens. So many people go with their families, don't they? And even the players, I think Tom Kearney said it before uh, before one of the matches as well. You know, it resonates because we're all family. You know, we all have family and we all put ourselves in in Claire's position and and dad's sister's position who was there that day and, and put ourselves in that position of what would we do if... if we lost someone, you know? Um, so it was a really raw and beautiful and surprising moment. And, but it was genuine, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it was, it wasn't planned. No one knew it was going to happen. They just came over. Um, and it was beautiful, and you know, Carmelo in particular, and Nicola at the club, Nicola Woolworth, have have just been so supportive since they they attended Dad's funeral. They they check in still with me once a week. How are you, Claire? How's your family? They're they're great. They're they're just the best. we we're, we're just so lucky to have such a great football club we're a part of. I feel very loved and very looked after with them. It's always nice to hear that,
1: you know, the club are, are behind you. And, you know, that's part of, well, you know, everyone spoke about at the time, the fact that Fulham feels different, Claire. And I mean, you know, you said, there what you know, people putting themselves in your position and, and saying, what, what would you do in that position? Mm. I mean, what I've, you know, noticed over the course is that you are starting or, or very much starting to campaign for things to be done in, in the way that you're moving things on to talking about defibrillators and actually other people that might find themselves in the position that you are.
3: Well, I think you know. Initially, obviously, uh, you know the, the, the shock has worn off with 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 what happened to Dad, and it's it's sinking in. And and you know, I think you can go two ways with this. And my kind of overriding feeling is, and and oh, it sounds cliches, and I hate cliches, but it's I don't I don't want anyone else to feel the way we felt when this happened, and. If I can just throw a few tweets out on Twitter, have some discussions with, with people about defibrillators. I shared a video uh, from St. John's Ambulance the other day on how to use a defib. And, and you know, I, it was the first time I watched it this week. And the first time I, this week, I, I actually educated myself to realize that there is actually a difference between a, a cardiac arrest and a heart attack they're not the same thing but the two are are used um to describe you know, everyone just thinks a heart attack is a cardiac arrest and it isn't. They're two very different things. And, and um, you know, you, you wouldn't use a defibrillator for a heart attack, but you would for, for a cardiac arrest. Um, but the whole thing about the defibrillators in particular is, I, you know, I'm not a medic. So I left school at 16 with about three GCSEs. I'm <laughs> as far from as you could ever imagine. But it's just to say, do not be afraid of these machines. I think if I'm honest, Sammy, and you've said it as well, I'd be very afraid to use a defibrillator. I'd be very frightened. But after what happened to my dad, I would definitely use it. And there's some great thing, great videos on YouTube from St. John's Ambulance, from the Resuscitation Council UK, from British Heart Foundation that tell you how to use these things, that tell you um uh, you know tell you don't don't be afraid of them they talk you through what to do you know they 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 direct you um a lot of them ha- have a voice on them so it tells you where to put the pads it will only shock someone in cardiac arrest if the defib machine actually knows that person needs shocking um otherwise you cannot shock a person that doesn't need shocking with one of these machines and you know, it's, it's, they're not a scary thing to use, and I think that's that's one of the main things I want to get out there to people. Find out where they are in your workplace, on your commute to work, in your school or college, or you know, in your football ground, in your in your gym, in your sports club, in your local bar or pub or wherever you like to spend your Friday and Saturday nights. Find out where these things are, and if there isn't one, ask why and come back to me and talk to me about it because i'm talking to some people at the moment who are really passionate about this as well and we are starting a drive to hopefully get more defibrillators into your local town centers into your uh your 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 um gyms and football clubs and things like that you know i mean it blows my mind that there isn't defibrillators in in gyms in sports centers but there isn't there is currently no legislation that anywhere has to have a defibrillator um there are rumbles that the legislation is going to change yeah. but there is nothing set in stone yet um so we need to make the changes ourselves and we need to be asking the questions you know anyone who's listening to this they need to go into work after they've listened to me banging on about this and say hey boss where is our defib you know my uncle he said to me he's defib trained but his um defibrillator is a 10 minute jog down the road that's too late you've lost someone yeah it's a 10 minute jog there and back you've lost someone in 10 minutes um you know, it's just, it's all about survival. The Resuscitation Council UK um, on their website say that for every minute that someone's in cardiac arrest without CPR and defib, their chances of survival decrease by 10%. So if you're if you you're off for 10 minutes finding this defib, well, you know, we can all do that maths um so they need to be more accessible and where they are people need to know where they are I walked down my local town center earlier I live in Sutton so that's my local town and um I didn't see one sign saying there was a defibrillator anywhere I really observed quite closely and I did not see and I'm not saying there isn't any but I'm saying if they are they're very well hidden no one no one I know knows where they are in the town
2: well i mean as you say it doesn't matter if there is one or there isn't one if you can't find Mm. it it might as well not be there and i watched one of these videos claire after you tweeted it about how to use a a defrib and what was surprising was that it does explain it to you, and it's big, mm. they're big Fisher Price buttons. It's actually not yes. as big and scary as you would think. Obviously, if you're in that yes. moment, you're going to be terrified of yes. actually having yes. to use it. But, and, mm. and I guess that's one thing I wanted to ask. Do you think that? Uh, Major events, football games, it should be something as common as going on an airplane. They tell you where the exits are every time on an airplane, despite the fact that you will almost certainly never need to use an emergency exit on a plane. But you go to a game, there's 20,000 people there and there's no, there's no sign of where a defibrillator is or there's no announcement. It would be quite an easy fix, wouldn't it? Two minutes before a game, the game's about to kick off. Quick video on the on the display screens as to where the fribs are, where your nearest one is, that would be such a simple fix.
3: Yes, yeah, absolutely, Sammy. I've just been sitting here nodding my head as you've been tr- talking. And that's actually, so I've put a plan together, just Claire and her lists. And one of my plans that I put together yesterday to take it to Fulham Football Club, because I would love my dad's team to be the first heart-safe football club in, I believe, the world, but certainly the UK. How awesome would it be for Fulham Football Club to be the first heart-safe club in the UK, at the very least? And one of the things I've put on my plan, one of the items, Sammy, is exactly what you just said, a two-minute video This is where the the defibs are. This is what to do. You know, on the back of your seats, you can have like a little sticker on the back of every seat to tell you where your nearest medic is and where your nearest defib machine is. These things are very cost effective that, you know, they cost pennies to do. You know, these clappers. I mean, I hate the clappers, but we have them. Put, some, put a, a defib awareness thing, a CPR awareness thing on the back of them flipping clappers, you know? Put it on... Put it, it, like you say, the video, we need signs everywhere. You know, these signs that we still have for COVID saying keep two meters apart and no one pays attention at football of those because you can't keep two meters apart. Replace those with DFib awareness, CPR awareness. That's what we need. You know, mm-hmm. we need these signs everywhere. We need people just... I, I, you know, and it's not to people might be thinking, oh God, that's really depressing having them signs everywhere. It's going to be more depressing if you lose your dad, like I lost mine. And, we need to know where these where these machines are. We need to be confident to use them. And it's like anything, the more you familiarise yourself with them, the more knowledge you have of something, the less scary it becomes. And that's what it's all about. And I really think we could start something brilliant with Fulham Football Club. And I really hope that they get back to me soon so we can start this ball rolling because, you know, we could be saving lives. I d- would not ever want anyone to witness or experience what we witnessed on the 29th of January but statistics say that we probably will you know we probably will there are over 30,000 out of hospital cardiac arrests annually according to the British Heart Foundation and just one in 10 of those people survive sadly so, you know, the likelihood of us experiencing this with another member of our Fulham family or football family is high, Sammy, It's high. and And we can, you know, there's a lot we can do to at least give people a fighting chance of survival.
2: I mean, it seems like an absolute no brainer to me. I can't Mm. see why they wouldn't do it. And if Fulham, as you say, were the first heart safe club in the country, it would be an incredible tribute and the best tribute possible, I think, to your dad. Mm. And we all remember when we were there, that Blackpool game, whether you were in the stands or watching at home, I think Mm. that moment, that, that, realization that something serious was happening and obviously mm. we were going through a millionth of what you and your family were going through but people were pointing in the hammersmith end over to where mm. it was and the medic's mm. trying to run over and actually the solution would be it doesn't have to be a obviously it's best if it's a trained medic but anyone mm. can use a defibrillator and mm-hmm. i think i think it would be the best tribute for your dad and i'm sure that's that's mm. what, what, what you agree with
3: Absolutely, Sammy. That's it. You know, again, throw the cliche cliche out there. We couldn't help my dad, but we can help other dads, uncles, brothers, sisters, grands. We can help a lot of people. And like you say, it's a no brainer. And, you know, even these defib machines, you can get one for from around £850. They're not a huge amount of money. And, you know, They just need to be everywhere because you never know. My dad was fit, healthy. He didn't drink. He didn't smoke. He didn't eat drunk food. He was so healthy, you know, and if it could happen to him, it could happen to anyone.
2: Well, Claire, your, your strength and your bravery and the fact that you're channeling this to make a difference, and I'm confident that this will make a difference and somewhere at some point save a life or two, is just extraordinary and um my hat goes off to you and i really really hope that you succeed in convincing not just fulham but lots of sporting clubs uh, around the country to take on this initiative and um and thank you for speaking to us and i hope it uh raises some awareness to the people that that make these these
3: decisions Thank you, Sammy. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for, for listening and giving me time to to talk about it. I know it's something a lot of you guys are passionate about, a fuller mission. There's just one thing I didn't mention, but if you could pop it down as well, because I haven't actually put it on Twitter yet. But some of the guys have um, wanted to do a walk, you know, like the walk and talk walks we do yeah. so they want to do a walk for Paul so I was just about to tweet it as you guys called me so it, it's gonna be on the 10th of April uh we're walking so my dad's hometown is Carl so we're walking from Carl Athletic to um Fulham uh to get there leave about 10 get there about 2 i'm just going to tweet about it so if you guys could just look out for that tweet and then do your magical stuff about that as well and it literally is just it's not a charity walk it's literally just let's come together have a walk and a chat about my dad cuz he's awesome and let's talk about defibs awareness you know let's just get that just keep people talking about it you know
2: oh brilliant i'd love to come i'm sure um uh, A few of the um, the rest of us would love to come as well so thank uh, you that sounds awesome claire thank you so much for for your time and stuff and i really uh, thank you honestly it's it's amazing what you're doing so uh definitely keep it up
0: claire you're fantastic and uh, and i know i'm speaking to you at the time um and i know the guys have said it as well but your, your strength after this even just talking and communicating, I know even through this now, in terms taking it further, but it's made a difference to a lot of people. Um, even those who were there and just who were trying to sort of process it. So, um, thank you for doing this and and, and keep it up. It's um, it's really really admirable and yeah, we're huge fans.
3: Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. It's the Thursday club with Sammy, Jack and Peter. And thank you once again to the wonderful Claire Parrish for speaking to us today. Uh, as Peter mentioned just before the break, such an inspiration and such an incredibly important cause that she's trying to raise awareness for basic life support, how to use a DFib. These are all vital, vital skills that if you possess that knowledge, you could one day save a life. And If there can be better signage at all stadia, but let's aim for Craven Cottage first, then that would be such an amazing tribute to Paul. And once again, it could one day save a life. Speaking of that, we were also sent a list of articles from Fulhamish listener, Fulham fan and GP Avas Malik. And he just wanted to help in any way he could. I told him we were speaking to Claire on today's podcast. So he kindly emailed in just a list of links and resources all about, as I said, how to use defibrillator, basic life support, CPR. And we've published it right now on the Fulhamish website. It's there for you to read. It's well worth a read as well. It's really neatly broken down into individual sections. And there's links there from the likes of the British Heart Foundation, St. John's Ambulance, the the kind of associations that you'd expect in this scenario really simply broken down it is not as complicated as you think if you have a spare five minutes today when you're at work or at school or at the gym worth checking it out just because it's such important stuff and uh, yeah thank you so much to avas malik for sending that in very kind of you to put that together and it's available right now on the Fulhamish website. Right, we're going to move on now. Uh, We're going to discuss the Riverside in a little bit, but of course it is the international break. As we record... Not many international games, if any, um, have happened right now. But in terms of Fulham news in the international break, one of the big ones, Jack, is that Fabio Carvalho uh, has decided, much like you did when you were younger, that he doesn't want to be English. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So,
1: um, (laughs) well, look, I mean, look, Fabio was from Portugal. He came over here, yes, quite young. um, He's never had a British passport. There's been all of this, you know, it was, you know, I said this last week when we had that, obviously, the Ballon d'Or song, but. You know, even then, in chest, I was pretty convinced that he feels Portuguese, um, and and thus has never. Yes, he played for England under, under setups in, in when he was younger, but not in a competitive game because he doesn't have a passport. It, it did feel like this was coming, and I, I felt like I was the only one <laughs> who was willing to accept that this was happening. Obviously, has a lot of put your fingers in your ears and go la 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 la. Now he's English, but like I do appreciate that. You know, when you have someone who who considers themselves like. Like Portuguese, like this, and the family do as well. The obvious thing was that if Portugal came calling, that was going to happen. And obviously, Portugal were going to come calling because he's that good.
2: I mean, I've been much more concerned as to whether he's going to stay at Fulham rather than what nationality he was going to pick. But yeah, Peter, what a hell of a coup um, for Portugal. We all know that Fabio is going to the very top one way or another, whether it's with us, with Liverpool or with another club um, abroad. And... I, you know, sometimes you see young players having to declare their nationality and you think, well, you haven't got a prayer of playing for them anyway, but in Fabio's case, he very much does. And, um, it will, it's a blow for England, but maybe not a blow because probably realistically Gareth Southgate and his team probably never thought they had a chance.
0: Oh, it's de- I think it's definitely a blow. I mean, you know, as Jack mentioned, he has represented England at youth age groups. He has captained the under 17s as well. And. He's made a bit of an impression, I think, on on the England staff. Um, And I I guess it just shows the level he's reached now that you've got Gareth Southgate mentioning him in a a press conference. Um, That he is seen in in that kind of regard. And and for sure, as Jack says, I I don't think it's a massive surprise here. I don't think it's hugely shocking that he's now in... Now Portugal have have come back in and and, and swooped for him. You know, he is Portuguese. He he moved here when he was 11-12 it's that's that's who he is that's his nationality that's his passport and um it's never been I don't think it's ever been a case that you know it's it was been clear cut um but at the same time it shouldn't necessarily act as a a surprise for anyone but you know for England he's not the first player in that sort of situation you know we saw with Michael Elise who was quite a bit of focus I think in, in in this international break as well because of how well he's doing at Crystal Palace and He's a dual national as well, but he's in the French setup. The difference, of course, between the two, and I, I guess to an extent, I guess Carvalho's story has sort of been, I sort of played second fiddle to what's happened with with Michael Elise on, on a national front because of Elise's form in the Premier League. But Carvalho is more of a loss because he has been in the England setup. He has been there; has been an awareness there, um, and you know, and, and Gareth Southgate and and, and Lee Carsley then um, spoke about the passport issue, the fact he doesn't have a, a British passport. Um, but I suppose you know, the count point is that that tells you kind of where he's at. You know, that's that's where he wants to be. I mean, it, if that was something he wanted to pursue, it's an issue they would have seen down the road, then it would have been resolved by this point. Um, I would not I would also point out that it's not the end of the road as well. I mean, it's it's a little more complicated now, but then just, you know, once you play, you can only play senior games in, in a friendly with the Nations League. FIFA changed the rules and um, I won't go too much into, into the detail of that, but before the age of 21, you can still change. So if he does change his mind, if England are able to to, to persuade him, then, then maybe. But I suppose if you're looking at it from an England point of view, there's a lot of talent there. And not that there isn't in Portuguese circles either, but it's still certainly a loss, I think. Certainly, and there's no doubt about that.
3: It'd be well, good to
0: have a player nicked off you from your youth
1: circles. It's uh, something that we suffer all <laughs> the time. Um, a couple of names spring to mind, but we won't go into them right now. Um, so, you know, That's just nice. have a little bit of suffering for you. <laughs> Don't get much of it, do you? <laughs>
2: I mean um, good luck England though because as Fulham have found out uh, once he's made his mind up uh, it is not easy uh, to change it although there is still one percent of hope.
0: One thing I would also point out about the the 21s which is interesting is that you've also got Jed Spence in there for the first time of course obviously former Fulham graduate you've got Harvey Elliott in there you would have had Fabio Carvalho if he was eligible for it so in terms of the Quality of player they're coming for. I think Matt O'Reilly was looked at, but he's, he's opted for, for Denmark, another dual national. Um, that's there is, his, I didn't know that. Yes, his, yes, yeah, his, his
1: interviews about being Danish are some of my favorite things ever. He's just like, Yeah, I feel really Danish. Like, he speaks yeah, yeah. Danish, yeah, oh, yeah, Danish, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He's, he, he is. It just would be something that's probably surprising, um, for a few people, but um, there is that. I think, just in a, a Fulham talent perspective, I guess it's almost. Uh, Maybe a bit bittersweet, I suppose, when you consider what might have been, as we've talked about endlessly, I think, on on here, but at the same time, talking about the the quality depth rather than it just being the Sessegnons that we've seen in in recent seasons. There's a much broader talent pool coming through and the level that they are at.
2: Uh, Jack, two players that have got a big international break coming up are our Welsh duo, Harry Wilson, Nico Williams. Uh, they play Austria on Thursday uh, in a World Cup playoff semi final. They won't be playing their final in this international break because they were due to play the winners of Scotland and Ukraine, which for obvious reasons isn't going to be going ahead. But still, it's a World Cup playoff semi final. And I thought it was particularly interesting the comments that Nico Williams did to the press yesterday. Talking about um, the fact that he feels like he's going into a Wales camp for the first time with lots of first team football um, in recent moments, not just a few cup games here and there. And talking honestly about having Robertson and Trent uh, ahead of him in the Liverpool pecking order. We've obviously seen a few rumours as well this week uh, about Fulham wanting to make Nico's deal a permanent one. There's some interesting movements on this.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's early to be getting excited and, and and honestly, I think even if Liverpool were to decide that they wanted to let him go, which I don't think they're going to do lightly by any stretch of the imagination, there's going to be alternate interest aside from Fulham. Obviously, there's a bonus of having been here and been ingratiated into the squad and, and feeling comfortable and all of the above. But, you know, even if... Nico Williams was to leave Liverpool, I don't think it would be dead set that he'd, he'd be coming to Craven Cottage. So there'll be plenty of interest in a player of his quality, I think, you know, in that pretty much the whole bottom half of the Premier League. So, you know, it's worth just keeping calm on. But look, I think the signs are positive, right? You've got to take positive things when they're given to you and the fact that he seems to be so pleased about getting first team football so pleased about the you know feeling he's got going into this Welsh camp and there is a World Cup at the end of the year obviously whether they make it or not is well might be determined during this international break Um, it's all very interesting in terms of what he what he's feeling and and what he's saying so yeah lots to lots to keep an eye on Um, I think it's positive movements but nothing to get over excited about right now is, is kind of how I would
2: And for other Fulham interest in the international break, uh, Niskin's Cabano has an outside shot of uh, making the World Cup uh, with the DR Congo. I think it's a pretty big outside shot, but one player that, uh you'd imagine we'll probably wrap up world cup qualification during this national break uh, is Anthony Robinson with the US men's national team I wouldn't be that sure about that mate I, I, it's
1: I, a tough set of games isn't it it's
2: really tricky this that for the hard. US I, I look I
1: hope it, they make it and I hope that, that you know the USMNT keeps moving forward but they've got to travel to Mexico for obviously L3 in the first game that's a horrible fixture to start them off and then, and then they've got a couple of tricky fixtures after I think it's Panama who are Fourth, if I'm not mistaken. um yep, that's right. So you know the, that is by no means a done deal as far as, as I'm looking at it. This is a, a really tricky set of fixtures for the US, and they're not at full cohort by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, just yeah, yeah, very much full of interest. And I completely agree with you, but just uh, I would I would hold the horses
0: on being look set to. I think. Oh, and okay. Sorry. <laughs> and then there's a classic last. American CONCACAF game on the Thursday morning where Anthony Robinson's got to be back for the weekend game. It seems to be a common pattern, doesn't it, with those ones? So we'll see how he gets on.
2: Yeah, it does feel like that's quite a uh, tight turnaround for for Anthony if he's to play in that uh, West London derby away at QPR. Right, let's move on to the Riverside stand. This was big news last week. Not that I was paying too much attention to the news. I was on holiday, as you uh, may or may not have heard. Um <laughs> the news about the riverside stand season tickets came out peter um the price is pretty eye-watering a thousand pounds probably not eye-watering if you are center of the pitch that's about what i would expect someone to pay if you are dead center but if you're on either side uh, a thousand is an extremely large jump from what it was in the old riverside stand and of course in the It wasn't confirmed last week, but it's not been that long since it was confirmed. The Riverside is going to be delaying its full opening for another year. I found that quite surprising. A four-year build for a stand. I know that it's got a river to one side. It's not an easy build, but it's a long time to be at limited capacity. Um, so, So what exactly is behind all of these decisions?
0: It has taken a lot longer than I think everyone expected. Of course, it was initially the hope was it would be open in August 2021, and then she can't confirm that it'd be uh, this summer 2022 in, in March last year, and then obviously with this announcement, it's you know fans returning, but the full reopening, as you say, Sammy, uh, won't be until next summer now. And I think the long and the short of it is is the pandemic in, in terms of what it's meant in terms of supply chains, in terms of what it's meant for workers in the fit-out stage, we can all see that the main structure is pretty much there. We can see the seats. Um, we can see the fact that you know you, you can get fans in there. Um, it's what's inside the, the building has been a bit trickier and there have been some alterations. Um, I think the, the latest one, um, Fulham got planning permission approval from Hammersmith and Fulham Borough Council over the weekend, which was to change the third, fourth and fifth floors of the structure, the floor being the top floor. Um, from function and event space into um, a members club, uh, sort of a public members club for local residents, to fans, to to whoever. At least that's that's how they that's the wording in the in the planning notes. Um, so again, that's something that has a commercial drive, and we, we we're aware that with the Riverside Stand, Fulham are eager to make sure that they're earning money throughout the year, um, and that has been influenced again in part by pandemic thinking you know there's not the same demand in the short term for functioning event space Um, there is more scope for more consistent commercial activity if you have a members club we've seen that with some of the other alterations they've made to the design they changed having apartments for a hotel instead because you're more likely to use the facilities that they have in the riverside stand your restaurants your bars etc Um, if you have a hotel compared to an apartment so those are all factors that play as to why it's taking so long. Obviously, it's taken longer than expected, and I think everyone can can, can see that. Um, the, the, the thing about the seats was interesting because Fulham had planning permission to use four thousand seats this season, which is more than the lower tier and, and more than what's been put out so far about what will be the uptake next year, more than two thousand. Um, that was, I think, is because of attendances. Um, you know, looking at whether they'd actually be able to use it properly. Um, I think only. I think this year Fulham have managed to get more than 19,000 people into the ground all times, I think from, from my notes. So um, part of that was a case of we'll, we'll have that permission there in case we need to expand this capacity. It's there. It's an option for us, but it's not something they've done this year and they've start decided to start it for this coming year. And obviously with those alterations as well, it, it makes more sense. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a long, while, it's a long while coming. We all know the complexity of the project and how, and how difficult it has been. Of course, we'd all want it to be sooner, but Um, it's a good thing as we get fans back in. And I think one of the key things is the fact that the Riversiders will get the option, not only for next season, which is a one-off thing, um, but also the following season we will still retain that priority, which will be important where we'll get a sense of the broader pricing as well.
2: I mean, Jack, there was a lot of outcry about the season ticket pricing. As I said, I think if you're dead centre of the pitch, I think... I don't really mind what you pay. You know, if you want to sit in business class on a plane again, I don't really mind what you pay. But there were a lot of Riversiders on Twitter who were used to paying five, six hundred pounds, maybe to sit at one extreme end of the Riverside, either next to the Putney or the Hammersmith ends. Keen to move back to the Riverside because they're currently in limbo in the Putney end, which I've not been there this season, but I've heard is not always the most enjoyable seating experience particularly if you've been used to the riverside for a while who were suddenly looking at the prices thinking god i don't love it in the in the putney end but i'm not paying a thousand pounds so i do you've got to feel a great degree of sympathy for those people that have been priced out moving back where they always used to sit yeah absolutely it's really hard
1: look uh, there's a couple of bits to this right i mean and the first bit is that you know, football is overpriced in in England. Full stop, right? It, you know, Fulham are, have been over the last couple of years pretty poor for it. I think, um, and and I echo your sentiments. You say quite a lot that I think that we're alienating the next generation of fans um, in what Fulham are charging for for ticket prices because I don't think that you're going to drag people in in the way that you do with you know on the continent the way that they a lot of clubs on the continent, especially in Germany, are able to. You know, basically bring people in from birth, and and you've seen, you know, people you see in like someone like Atalanta, you know, they they know they're competing with with big clubs in Italy to, you know, not necessarily in Bergamo, but obviously around there is is the two Milan's, um, and and they know they have to get people in. So what they've tried to do, and you know, over a couple of years, is they give every child who's born in a hospital in Bergamo an Atalanta shirt when they're born um, and it just it, it links them to the club right they keep ticket prices and this is partly to do with the fact that the ultras complain and the ultras have a real you know open conversation with with, with the club about the fact that if you overcharge for tickets we're just not going to come there's not going to be an atmosphere and you lose for, you lose for it and You know, I think that you know, in in some senses, we're way too passive. You know, we accept things. We go, "Ah, that's what it is." Um, But ultimately, Fulham have also just dropped an incredible amount of money building a new stand, and they're going to want to try and recoup that straight away. So you can understand why they've raised ticket prices because they're going to say what you what they'll say as a response is. Yes, it's more expensive. Yes, now the viewing experience is better. Now it's more plush. Now it's more padded. And they'll say, look, there are plenty of other places in the ground that you can see it, as we've shown from the last year, where that's you know not going to be the case. And the ticket prices there will be as they were before you moved. Now, obviously, you've got to have a complete sense of sympathy with, with Riversiders who just want to return maybe to, to where they were and think this is a hike too far. Um, but uh, ultimately, the club, I, I assume, are going to fill these things with with people coming in, it's a bit like Chelsea and, and that right-hand side when you're standing in the away section that just never seems to make any noise ever and and do anything because there's the seats that sort have of priced out everybody else. Um And ultimately, that's the thing. I, I think that Fulham are going to struggle. And I know that Chelsea are going through their own issues right now and, and that's fine and whatever. But, you know, I, I think if you've got two season tickets and one of them is a, ch- a club challenging at the top of the Premier League and another one is a club challenging you know, at the top of the championship, at the bottom of the Premier League trying to survive, and the tickets are the same price. Where are you gonna take where are you gonna take your business? Where are you gonna take, you know, your children? Where are you gonna give them that viewing experience? And, and ultimately I think the club have kind of lost a little bit track of that, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I think it's a a virus that has infected British football as a whole.
2: Yeah, I, I'm keen to see what the rest of the season ticket prices are for next year before going in two footed because i think at the moment it's a very limited um area of the ground that they've released prices for but we'll keep an eye on it in
1: some ways isn't it because they know they'll sell out that bottom bit of the ground once that top bit does go they might not anymore and therefore prices might have to reduce but when was the last time you saw ticket prices reduce in a stand (laughs) unless things get really bad (laughs) well yeah exactly but you know if fulham are back in the championship perhaps But we're all hoping that that doesn't happen. So, you know, ultimately we're looking at this and trying to think about how to keep more fans and how to encourage more fans to the club. And and I don't think by charging
0: a £1,000 a season ticket is the way of doing that, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I'm not a businessman. I mean, we can bring it back to the attendances that I mentioned earlier. You know, we've got to try and fundamentally you want to fill the stand. I think that's that's got to be a priority, hasn't it? And when, when when it is fully open, that's got to be a consideration. So I think when the fact that it's just that lower tier, maybe there is that captive audience sense, as as, as Jack said, you know, there isn't the concessions there. It, it does feel like it's this is a good like one-off chance to do it. I'll be intrigued to see, as Sammy says, what the rest of the prices are like. And then also a sense of what it will be going forward when you know we are seeing the, the full stand when it has to be filled there's nine thousand seats there so and yeah and i do you do feel sympathy for the riversiders as well because you know they want to go back into their seats there's no reason why they should feel massively uppriced with that but um we will we'll just have to see how it sort of um develops i think before making a, a full assessment that's sort of my my stance on it.
2: it just felt from the outside a bit like If you put something on eBay and you just put it up for twice what you know it's worth or your house, you just put the house up for a ridiculous amount. And if someone is silly enough to come and buy it, then then you kind of happy days. The fact that it was just so arbitrary, £1,000, no concessions, it almost feels like there's something at play here that I can't quite put my finger on, but we will keep an eye on it. And if you want to read all about the Riverside developments, um, what is happening with the stand, what the changes are, uh, it's all out on The Athletic right now. Peter's written a piece and you can get 33% off The Athletic by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. Right, we're going to take a break there and afterwards we'll do a bit of this catch on. It's the Fulhamish podcast with Sammy, Jack and Peter. Another bit of news that you may have missed in the last few days, if you've been switched off from everything else, FFC uh, is that the Derby fixture on Good Friday has been moved to 8pm. Thank you very much, Sky Sports. Nice and easy. Being... That one then. Thank oh, you. Why? There is one train back from Derby. Um, it's at 20 past 10. So oh, that's, I can't a, get that. that's a run. That's a run to the station. You're driving then, Ratzluck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think driving may be the only way. I'm, I'm I want to go, but I think that driving might be the only option. So yeah, Good Friday at eight pm, and then Easter Black Monday Friday. at three ah, pm. Here he is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying earlier about pantomime? <laughs> yeah, you're perfect for it. He's made tailor-made oh. Peter the Panto
1: coming soon to a to a half moon near you
2: yeah everyone just shouting behind you at the uh at the half moon on the 10th of april get your tickets uh right let's do some this will catch on i missed not being on the buttons last week jack from listening i felt like you were a bit despondent with the this will catch ons i just you know
1: sometimes you just gotta i don't know i don't know i love this will catch on and i love some I love all these submissions but Last week's, so I don't know, they sent me somewhere I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't quite ready for it. I think
2: Peter was still chuckling along as ever. So um, it was, no, that was always nice to hear in the background, right? We've got three audio, one non-audio. I'll start with the non-audio first from TJ Fogarty. He says, hi everyone. I've got a chant for our Brazilian backup. Rodrigo Muniz, To the tune of Chelsea Dagger by the Fratellis. Oh God.
0: <laughs> no,
2: which is i'm not gonna say i'm I'm not i'm not in the mood for singing today i wish i could but i'm actually
1: incredibly ill so i actually can't sing right now
2: which is moon is moon is i believe when he plays for fulham heart on his sleeve and a score loads in the premier league he came from Flamengo and now he plays for ffc
1: yeah that's not bad actually i like that's not bad i like it i like it
2: I still prefer the one that's already caught on which is Rodrigo Moon is Moon is I like to move it move I, it I it's already like caught it. on I've heard it in the Hammersmith end it's a it's a solid 10 out of 10 was,
1: the best one was the uh, the She's Electric he's Brazilian um, Yeah
2: I've heard I've heard the odd murmur of that but that one's really not caught on Rodrigo Moon is Moon is to I like to move it move it which is already I like that a, a lot
1: like I, I genuinely think that's very good it's got too many words for people I think but it is good
2: it's, not good. it's two words, Rodrigo. Mouros, no, no, not Mouros, that one. Rodrigo. That one's oh. rubbish.
1: That one's rubbish. We've just agreed this. Well, you did it, oh. but I've just agreed this. That one that TJ sent in to Chelsea Dagger is quite good. I quite like oh, that. Yes. I might just have a few too many words.
2: It so does it- a little bit, but it's a good song. So thank you very yeah, much, I like TJ. It's a, it's, a, it's a seven and a half for me. <laughs> right, next one is from Dax. Uh, he says, Hi, Fulhamish. Thought I'd send in a chant for the podcast that I created the other day. Definitely won't catch on, but let me know what you think. It's a Niskin's chant to the tune of Tainted Love. <laughs> I have listened to this one. I've not listened to all of them today, but I have heard a little bit of this one. It's very good. Dax, take it away. What film is this from? Curate.
1: Not from a film
0: me skins cabano's going to score a few he'll break through your back line and then he'll
2: blast a fucking screamer in the back of your neck
0: me skins cabano will get you he's silver's boy through and through bearing number seven he'll have your shite fucking players in his pocket all night
1: just like it goes from being really calm and like nice to just like absolutely losing the plot. It might catch on. It's got enough expletives to catch on. give you that. Um, just kind
2: of it's quite soft and then it's suddenly like really extreme. Just like ah, Sammy. <laughs> do you know the band Man Like Me?
1: No, I think they were most famous because they used to do a, an Ikea advert to a version of you'll only find uh, me in the kitchen at parties, which I think is by Jonah Louis to begin with. They did a version of it where they'd be like, walking through a house and it was Ikea. They sound exactly like Dax, but like, it's like a spit. It, it look up Man Like Me, you'll only for, like, find me in the kitchen at parties and then play that track by Dax and it back to back and tell me they're not the
2: same person. Dax, if you're I... moonlighting as a band from like South London, uh, I want to know about it. I thought it just sounded like Fulhamish regular Cam Ramsey. It does a bit. It does a bit. Who also sounds a bit like a man like me, but this is, this is uncanny. Um, so I that's my big was...
1: takeaway. You didn't even put an expletive warning on it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I'll have to uh, mark that. I really thought it was just Cam Ramsey on the burner. Right. Two more. Uh, that so... gets an eight, by the way. That's, that was hilarious. I enjoyed. Myself. Okay. Okay. Next one from Tommy from Kentucky. Uh, he says, here's a song, Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. Oh God! Uh, oh. Love the show. That's all that's been said. It's for Bobby Decker Dover-Reed, who I don't think gets enough chance on this will catch on. So here we go.
1: When Michael says we've got to hold on to what we've got, and when we need a goal, cause we're in a tight spot we got a player who comes in hot from the bench. Let him take the shot. Whoa, he's what we need. Whoa, Dak Dover Reed. He'll come on and do the deed. Whoa, Dak Dover Reed. Dak Dover Reed. I've never had anything more American in my entire life. <laughs> um, that should come draped in an eagle, uh,
2: <laughs> star-spangled banner, honestly, the works, the remix, um, yeah. a guitar solo, I the mean, works. To
1: be fair, like very good, very clever. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not catching on, obviously, but I liked it.
0: I liked fair, it. Fair play for getting the full name in as well. I yeah. feel like it needed that. It did
1: need that. They do. There is a version. There is a song for Bobby Decord over Reed um, to, hey, what's wrong with you? Oh, Bobby yes. Deckard over Reed, which is very good, um, which I do like. So, so there's that. But yeah, it's um, it's, it's good. I, I respect it. I respect it. Um, good effort there, Tommy from Kentucky. If you could get any more American, please do let me know. We might have to make you president.
2: I'd like to see Tommy send that in as a video, but just draped in the flag. Yeah. With an eagle on his shoulder, eating a burger, an apple pie. Yeah. Just all the American cliche in a Hummer. In um, a hummer. Just all the American cliche. Yeah, can cliches, you do some music please. video, please, Tommy? Yeah. Get to work. Um, thank you very much for sending in your song. The final one from Dan Winter. I think this might've been sent a few weeks ago, but it's worth the wait. Hello, ladies and gents, longtime listener, first time emailer. Like many, I've been inspired by the success of super trooper to try and come up with something half as good for what is fast becoming one of my favorite parts of the pod. I've tried to tick some boxes here. He's been smart. Nineties dance classics make good chance. And we don't have one for our owner presenting Saturday night by Wigfield for Shahid Khan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I haven't listened to this one. So it's a first time for me as well. Here we go. Saturday night and the
1: whites have won again. Shahi baby, it's party time. We're going back up to the prem. Shahi baby, da da dee da dee da da da. Shahi baby, da da dee da dee dee da. Shahi baby, da da Saturday night and oh, the on. whites have won again. Shahi, baby. I think we're going around the loop now. It's party time. We're going back up to the prem. Shahi, baby. Shahi, baby. Shahi, baby. Shahi, baby. Thank you.
0: <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
1: you, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Um, yeah, I mean, like, that's probably the, the, the most likely to catch on, isn't it? Is um, it? Probably. That's a football song. Rangers sing it for Scott Arfield.
3: Do um, they?
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, lots of these songs tend to start in Glasgow. So. Yeah,
1: one side of the other, um, depending on whether Dom's on or on me. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, there's potential that that catches on. But to be honest, the fact that the Fulham fan base have resisted any sort of song for Shard Khan. Um, Does maybe suggest otherwise. So we'll see. We'll see.
2: I very much enjoyed that. Thank you for all your this will catch on suggestions. Uh, A couple of people like DMing me this week, like, have you definitely got mine? I was like, yes, I've just got a lot, but I'm sorry if not all of them get played, but we do look through all of them. Hello at Fulhamish.co.uk. I don't have an inbox anymore. I just have a this will catch on inbox and the occasional other email. Um, But yeah, please send them in. Hello at fullamish.co.uk for all your this will catch on suggestions. And we will be back this time next week week we'll be looking ahead to the West London Derby and International Roundup and There is a special Fulhamish podcast coming up this weekend. Uh, It should be released Sunday night Monday morning. Uh, It's going to be a new podcast that we're doing called The Writers Room. So Drew Heatley is the editor of the Fulhamish website and he's managed to round up uh, three other writers from the website to do a bit more of a uh, wider look on all things FFC. If you ever watched a Sunday supplement back in the day on Sky Sports, I think that's the vibe that Drew's going for on this. Um, But I'm very excited to hear it
1: yeah i am too um i think it might end up being more the Wombles than sunday supplement but we'll see how we go <laughs> and then, can we ask cam to sing that song by dax so um th- that's what i'm really looking forward to Yeah,
2: um bit of a uh, bit, um, bit of crossover love, please yeah. <laughs> cam sing tainted love for me please all right well thank you very much for listening this week and thank you to my guest jack collins thank you very much thank you sammy it's good to have you back and Peter Rutzer, thank you. No, thank you, Sammy. Always a pleasure. I'm surprised not to see you uh, on your holidays somewhere like where Tosin Adebayo is at the moment, like a Dubai or a. Uh, is that is that not your? It's style? not really my
0: vibe. That no, I just I don't. It doesn't really appeal to me. Not something i do. Take me, take you- me to a hill or a mountain or something. No. Where's
2: your dream holiday? You've got all the money, <laughs> but you can only go for what you. Yeah, Peter's go is that all Snowden? Like <laughs>
1: I've got all the money in the world. I'd like to go. Yeah, to the Peak District. I was thinking more
0: Alps than, than Peak District, but sure, sure. Yeah, I'd I'll take, I'll take the Peak District over That's Dubai. Go on then. I would Is that, that your dream holiday? Like
2: that, you've got, you can go to one place for one week, unlimited budget.
0: Uh, you put me on the spot here. Yeah? I know I'd, I'd probably go I'm more of a south of France kind of vibe. I'd probably prefer that, which isn't that dissimilar, I suppose, but I just, it's nice. It's nice there, isn't it? I hope
2: I'm you're both. staying somewhere nice if you've only chosen the south of France. But...
0: Buenos Aires
2: for me. Yeah.
1: That's where I'd like to go. Or, or Brazil or Rio. I'd like to go to Brazil or Argentina. I think that's where I'd go if I had a limited budget. Um,
2: yeah, I'm think i, want, I'm I just think on a it's...
1: series of mini city breaks. Done Seville. I was in Rome last weekend, and I'm off to Berlin on Friday, so that'd be nice. Hey, no well,
2: rest well, for the world. wicked. Have a lovely time and have a lovely time to you listening wherever you're planning to spend uh, your international weekend. Um, Maybe you're heading to a non-league game. I know it's non-league day on Saturday, so I imagine many of you will be uh, looking to get your football fix elsewhere. If that is you, enjoy. Uh, But until next week, have a great one. Come on, you whites. Whites.
1: You could never read.